And now, Imperial Entertainment is proud to announce that a blockbuster horror experience is coming soon, right after its current theatrical release, Demons 2, The Nightmare Returns. There's nowhere to hide. No place to run. No one is safe. From the unspeakable terror heading your way in Demons 2, The Nightmare. And actions. Welcome to Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I am one of your hosts, Adam Walker. Joining me, as always, is Dude Where's My Car Garage? <laughs> and we have a returning guest, uh, Orion Oblivion. He was on our uh, Apple uh, uh, or a pro. Sorry, His tit- the titular band. Yes, titular thank movie. you. The the apropos episode about Ilsa, uh, the namesake of his band. Welcome back, Orion. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, hopefully uh, this will be a little bit less of a cringe episode in terms of content. <laughs> All right. Uh, remains to be seen. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see at the end of this. <laughs> Maybe cringe um, in different ways. <laughs> hope so. I live for cringe. Um, so if you've been following us up to this point, we are doing our annual Flixtober series where we talk specifically about horror movies uh, for uh, Halloween season, and the theme this year is we are discussing the second installment in movie franchises, notable movie franchises. We we covered Psycho on the first episode, then Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, and Orion's coming on uh today to discuss Demons two. So we're going back over to Italy and we're revisiting our. Dear friend Dario Argento for this one, as well as a first time Lamberto Bava flick on the pod. So very exciting. I always, you know, I'm down to talk about Italian horror. It's it's, uh, it's something I hold very near and dear to my heart. I don't know about you, Orion. Oh, yeah. Big fan for sure. Um. Brandon, I'm not sure where I, I think you're pretty or you're you're indifferent about Italian horror, right? It's not that I'm indifferent. I just wasn't ex- exposed to it as much as probably you guys were. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, more resource. I grew up in a, a small ass shit kicker town where the most exploitation or anything I got was uh, my roommates. They were kind of freaks. So got yeah. that stuff a little bit, but. I've I've liked most of what I've seen. I just uh, hasn't been probably. I'm not nearly as versed as you are, most likely. Well, here we go. We're doing some versing. We're spitting verse. We're getting versed. So this is the follow up to the classic demons. So aptly titled "Demons 2. and I would say, um, much like its title, being simple to the point, direct. This movie is also very simple to the point and direct. That's just some of my off the top kind of uh, um, assessment of this. But before we get into that, we've been uh, slacking on the sponsorships. We always got to give a shout out to our sponsors. And tonight, we definitely have a sponsor. And our sponsor for tonight is 
Twofers, your one-stop shop for all your dental needs with our famous twofer one, one on all purchases. Have you lost your teeth due to demonic possession? Well, have no fear. That's right. For every tooth you buy, you get one free. Buy the top row, get the bottom free. Buy the bottom row, that's right. The top's free. You'll be smiling ear to ear with Twofers. Available at Twofers.com and on the Demoni app. So shout out to the Demoni app and Twofers for sponsoring the show. Uh, couldn't do it without you. So. It's useful. Um, you more or less suggested this. We were having our, uh, Ryan and I, we, uh, we uh, got to hang out a little bit in D.C. And that's where we were having the discussion about him coming back on. Originally, we were going to potentially talk about Zombie 2, which is actually a miss. It's 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 a misnomer of a title, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's kind of a remake or a sequel, I guess. The, the uh, unofficial sequel, uh, as it was pitched, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, in the true uh, exploitation fashion. It's it's misleading, as as a lot yeah. of the demon movies were too, because uh, the this demons one and two were directed by uh, Lombardo Bava. But then after that, there was like another at least three or four that went by a bunch of different names. Like one of them ended up being the church, um, yeah. which was originally going to be called like uh, the, the house of the demons or something. Uh, and then there was like the ogre, which I guess was officially the demons three, but was also c- kind of a completely different story than the first two. Um, but the first two are, are uh, share a pretty strong um, narrative link in terms of being set around like media that is uh, somehow p- possesses people to turn them into demons, um, which is kind of what I think is is it makes it a little bit more complex as as simple of a structure as it is in, in terms of plot and stuff, and also which kind of a- opens up a lot of questions as to like what the fuck is going on and uh, <laughs> it yeah. sort of gives it the nightmare quality that it has. Um, but yeah, it was produced by uh, Dario Argento and, and I kind of look at it as um, demons one is, or, is, or just demons, whatever demon. I, it, it's definitely, that was like a tr- total tribute to uh, horror movies and to like his, his dad and to Argento and to, uh, you know, a, a ton of others. I mean, I made a list of all of the different um, references and, uh, even just like movie posters that are in the theater and stuff, but there's like the Howling, there's uh, Anguish, Nosferatu. They've got posters for Four Flies on Grey Velvet. It's obviously Night of the Living Dead. There's like some Rambo and Terminator stuff in there, uh, Exorcist and William Castle. This one has a yeah. ton as well that, that I'm sure that we'll like get into as we go. Um, but uh, yeah, it's almost like this is as the first one is set in the theater. This one's like the home theater version of uh, of, of Demons right. because it all takes pl- place over television transmission. Yeah, yeah, and definitely, I definitely want to talk about th- this movie's. I guess it's not really a subtext, but the way it interweaves our relationship with media, uh, or the viewer's relationship with media and entertainment, I guess, and how that might have some sort of like you know ongoing sort of like i guess um uh discussion that's that's built into the movie um and yeah i do like all those like references that it makes to other horror and homages and things like that anyways i'm getting off track already but 
Um, so this came out in 1986. Um, it's starring, notably, this is Aja Argento's first role. Um, there's also some other people that were in the uh, first Demons, right? Correct? Yeah, Bobby yeah. Rhodes. <laughs> He plays uh, Hank Hank the gym instructor and was the the pimp in the first one. I forget what his name in the first one is, but uh, right. yeah, I thought he was I thought he was the American actor in it, but actually he's Italian born and uh, he was in a ton of um, fantasy stuff and like uh, Polizia Chessi, the the like Italian crime um, films and everything. So he's like the one of one of the native born uh, italian actors even though they, they definitely americanize him in the movie i think or at least try and make him seem like he's in both movies that he's like the american dude yeah he's kind of got like a slick western accent um also i maybe i'm saying it wrong lino salem came back uh in this one but he's a security uh-huh. guard this time yeah, I like yeah. that, that they make that in, inversion where they turn him into the security guard. They definitely do that with a lot with, with this in, um, in, in terms of, like, fucking with what you expect to happen and playing playing with expectations. But I like that casting a lot. Yeah. yeah. it's That kind of thing is really funny to me. Like, it immediately makes me think of um, early, like, 80s and 90s Stephen King adaptations where he was a cameo role in a lot of his movies. But you kind of expect that this is a different thing where it's like uh, as a as a viewer, I'm going, I know this guy was in the first movie, but they're just unabashedly have him as a totally different character. <laughs> no mention as to why or anything. Um, I, I love that. I, think that's I love when directors. Me too. Yeah, when directors do that, I always feel like that's kind of like an old sign of an auteur or whatever. Um, not that I would necessarily consider Bob Lumberto Bava to be an auteur. But, you know, he's he's trying to hit the marks. Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't really have what this uh, gross on the box office, but the budget was almost two million. So I don't know what it might have made back. I'm assuming it was probably a hit at the time. Yeah, they said that the, the church, which was supposed to be the, the, the third in it, that made that had a budget of three point five million. And I guess the first demons had one point eight. So I was guessing somewhere around, you know, two. Oh yeah, sorry. I got my. I'm getting my budgets mixed up. You're right. The first one was 1.8, and then, anyways, um, yeah. Um, do you want to give a synopsis of this, Ryan? It's pretty straightforward, um, which is what I like about it, um, and it's something cool that I think stands out in it too, which is kind of dumb, which is sort of like the meta stuff in it. It's all pretty heavy-handed and dumb. But I still like it, anyways. That they try it, and and I and I feel like it, it fails in some ways, but it works in others. But it, it's basically just a, a nice '80s high-rise apartment building, sort of, you know, uh, right off the bat, playing into like all of these sort of cultural markers of, of the era. Um, it shows you this sort of um, cross section of the building with all of these people doing different things. There's a gym with uh, uh, with got you know uh, gym rats working out and stuff there's a party that's going on that's got like a john hughes crowd it's almost like channel flipping through um the building um and uh there's a yuppie new wave couple that's got this really nice apartment so it sort sort of just gives you like a a little glimpse of uh, all these different people's lives while they're watching a documentary i guess or some sort of like a uh 
you know, a recreation of the demon infestation that happened in the first movie, which they tell you is real, I guess, and did happen. But the timing of the movies coming out, I mean, I guess we can get into that with questionable doesn't make sense because it would have only been like a year later, but they imply that the demon infestation had this like huge devastating effect. Um, but anyways, people are watching this program about the demons and, uh, the infestation begins to spread throughout the building and, uh, the tenants have to battle the demons. It's, it's basically as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, it's a siege movie in a lot of ways. It's it's like um, Italian Judge Dredd, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> minus the fucking super cop, right? Yeah, yeah. It, that's funny that you mentioned that. It's totally the siege all happening all in one building, uh, and not from the. I mean, it depending on how you look. It's not from the outside, but it's from the inside of the building. It's not yeah. getting siege from uh, out outside. It's it's an infestation that erupts inside the building itself. <laughs> yeah, um, you could see that this definitely must have inspired, uh, uh, or as, as much as it harps on other movies, there's definitely some things about it that you could, could see going on to inspire um, a movie like The Ring, uh, which I don't even think it was intentional, but it has a lot of the same elements down to like the television screen with a person with the demon coming out, which is like the first basically... The, the way that the infestation or the possession spreads um, by the yeah. demon just l- literally coming out of the television. Right. Totally. Um, any other off the top you guys have before we get into the good, the bad, and the questionable? Mm, I think we just we dig right in. It's it's a, a quick and dirty. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on then to the good, the bad, and the questionable. Starting... With the good. Blood nurtures the dormant seed of evil. How can the demons be stopped? Is another apocalyptical prediction about to come true? The winds of death will sweep across the world, and whole continents will be cast adrift in an ocean of blood. So I'll just say right off the top, we talked about this with the last episode with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but love a good foreboding intro monologue. Yeah, definitely. So, so we um, have that here. Man, it's a, a quick recap, too. It makes it pretty easy to just j- jump into this movie if you hadn't watched the first one. Yeah. And it starts, it goes into the, it goes into the, it basically starts fucking with you right off the bat because it's your narrator, but then you find out moments later that it's the narrator in the television that's narrating the the program that, that you're, that they're watching, that you're watching. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There is, uh, this interesting interplay between like the movie within the movie and how the movie within the movie is affecting the actual movie. (laughs) Totally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I like that idea of it. It's almost like the 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 infinite uh, funhouse mirror or like feedback loop kind of sort of scenario that's being created with the documentary, quote unquote. Which, right? Yeah, you were talking about that a little bit. It's like it doesn't really come off as a documentary because it just is playing on the screen as a movie. It, it seems more to me. I was, I mean, again. 
save this for questionable, but it's kind of critical to get through in this part. I was seeing it like it's like a, uh, not a found footage, but it's almost like it's happening live, right? Because right. you see, you're watching it through the TV and then you see them doing what's happening in what seems to be real time yeah. um, mm -hmm. and everything. So maybe the word documentary is uh, kind of used loosely, considering this is an Italian film. Maybe what they're saying is that it's really happening, you know, in in time, um, like a documentary is about, you know, nonfiction. I don't know. I think they leave it unclear. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, it's a little un elusive there. Yeah, um, and then you touched upon this a little bit uh, in that preamble off the top with the uh, the gym within the high rise. Uh, I do like a good. Uh, this is like a, another cultural touchstone from the '80s that you don't see necessarily replicated as often in movies. I feel like, but this conspicuous obsession with fitness. Oh yeah, <laughs> pumping up in the dark even. Can't can't but, stop this fucking steel train. Yeah, and the pregnant woman is doing Lamaze. The the, the pregnant woman is <laughs> yeah. doing Lamaze and, and aerobics in her apartment. Right, because it really speaks to at that time there was this explosion in fitness culture and obsession with fitness. Like you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I've been reading off and on for a while his uh his uh basically his encyclopedia of strength training and bodybuilding. Um, and he just, he talks about that a lot, how prior to the seventies and eighties being into bodybuilding and fitness wasn't a, th a thing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a mass cultural thing. It was kind of almost like if you were obsessed with it, you were a weirdo. Uh -huh. But then with the advent of Arnold becoming such a superstar, he kind of ushered in this whole era of the regular person being obsessed with fitness. <laughs> well, and to mention the Lamaze lady, that harkens to like the Richard Simmons era or, yeah. you know, the seven minute abs or whatever, the in home. <laughs> Suzanne Summers. Yeah. RIP. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, the celebrity fitness guru. So, yeah. And yeah. So yeah. Um, Orion, some goods. Uh, I I think the my favorite's got to be all of the the, the meta touches throughout it. Um, just the playing with expectations. It starts right away. The the first scene of the of the movie is a bloody knife, um, a close up of a bloody knife, which then like pans back to show you that it's actually like somebody making a cake, uh, the baker making Sally's birthday cake for her. So I just feel like right off the bat, it's sort of just telling you like this is we're gonna fuck with you like in this movie. And right. we mentioned it before with Lino Salami or Salome or however you say it, um, being like going from being the bad punk in the first movie who's like sniffing coke out of like a Coca-Cola can uh, to like <laughs> being the like uptight security guard in this one, uh, uh, um, chastising the people partying in the elevator for being, too, you know, unruly and disrespectful and stuff. and. Um, they do it again with the the call girl that they they kind of think is like a classy lady when you first see her waiting for the elevator, um, and yeah. then you find out that once she gets in there that she that she's actually like a call girl, and she makes a joke later on when she sees the um, the, the husband, um, um, the student husband character 
um, going back down in the elevator, she she says something to him like, "Oh, you're finished too," or something, and he's, yeah. and he's con- yeah. confused by her. So there's just a lot of like that playing around with the with with the. Even with like Bobby Rhodes' character, he was like a skis bag pimp in the first one, and in this one, he's body positive, you know, more wholesome <laughs> character who's taking the lead to try and save everybody. Totally, yeah, and even in the fir- first one too, he he ends up being kind of like the, the guy to to motivate everyone and to sort of draw everyone together, even though he gets killed rel- relatively soon. But it, it is interesting that they brought him back for the same thing in, in this one, and. uh yeah, I was just listening to something about like occulted casting, um, which I guess is like not necessarily like using the same characters in all your movies, but bringing in like other actors from different films or things like that to to appear as in within a certain character, sort of character acting in general. Um, but there is a little bit of that with Asia Argenta having it be her first movie because um, she was only ten, I guess, when she did this, um, and like you know, for a random kind of like eighties uh, sequel. It is pretty wild that it's her first one and like everything that went on, you know, like that has gone on in her life since then. And um, because it is kind of like all about breaking the fourth wall in this movie and sort of like about like like we said earlier, film um, horror movies in general and stuff. Um, But uh, yeah, I love just the. Um, the demons looking into the camera, it happens a lot. Like it happens first when the demon notices Sally in the program while she's watching it. And it's like kind of this weird scene where like you see the demon noticing her in the, in whatever screen or whatever way that he's seeing her watch her and then come through. Yeah. But then throughout the movie later on, you see the demons just like looking directly into the camera and like for a, a movie like this, I feel like that hor- with horror in, uh, in general too, it can go either way when you're doing like close-ups of like you know extras or of like the monsters main character. But this is a movie where seeing everything close up makes it scarier and and grosser, and it actually is like kind of what makes the movie cool because there's not a lot of gore in it really um, compared to the no. first one. Um, but they even they they intentionally toned it down. Uh, I read to uh, be able to get the equivalent of like a PG-13 rating in Italy, which is um, kind of funny because I guess in the U.S. it actually got an X rating for gore yeah. because of the like right. transformation scene. Um, yeah. So uh, I do really love the close-ups and the makeup effects on everything. Like even the little kid demon, um, which I normally hate um, kid, de- uh, you know, like kids in horror movies. Um, but I thought that that, that that just looks like so great. Um, but yeah, they rip off Videodrome in this, but they basically make, it's still cool. Like, I mean, there's, I, I have like, uh, there's like fucking Videodrome is, is sort of mentioned like 16 Candles and John Hughes movies, like Poltergeist 2, Fulci and like Romero zombies that you got the return of the living dead punks in the car riding around calling back to the first one. Um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, you got Alien, um, Gremlins, uh, with the with the blood melting down and the and the the monster that bursts out of the kid's chest. So I just love how they just really like he just put as many references to movies that he liked in this, obviously, but it still like works even as a ripoff because the whole thing is like basically about like media or whatever. Or can can horror movies possess you or something or like it, it, you know coming out at the time that it did. Um, so I just like the whole concept of the movie, really, like in spite of its flaws. Yeah, I agree. Um, Brandon. Uh, yeah, a lot of 
a lot of what Orion said I, <clears throat> uh, is stuff that I was notable to me. The effects were cool. Um, I really think that it's pretty bold when movies do what this and and the first demons did, did where you see the transformation of, you know, a human into a demon all in one shot, because often, you know, the effects at the time, they can't um, really sustain to make that look good. Like the teeth falling out in place of the fangs coming in and everything like that. They do that a lot in both the first one and this movie. Um, that first shot where, that desiccated demon in the, you know, rubble blast zone or whatever comes back to, um, life. I thought that was really cool. All the effects. Yeah, I feel like I was going to say, I feel, uh, as if those sort of things are, you're talking about all these references to other movies. It's almost like that could be a reference to, uh, an American werewolf in London. Yeah. Oh, yeah that totally. sort of on screen transformation. Yeah. yeah. The howling. howling yeah. These very painful, uh, in real time transformation scenes. It's like body horror happening. kind of body happening in, in front of in front of your eyes. Totally. Um, I thought that was cool. I liked the demon Davy dog um, to, to see him <laughs> yeah. transform into, you know, like a demonic hellhound was pretty cool. Again, yeah, I, I feel very much the same with children in horror movies often, but that was completely surprising to me. I mean, I didn't. Um, it was almost like a jump scare. I, they never get me, but seeing that little ghoulish child stick his head in the door, try and come in. You know, I thought that was pretty good. Um, I really liked the parking garage battle, like the actual battle that happens. This, you know, there's a, there's a scene earlier where I think that they push a car up against the door and they like let it on, set it on fire and stuff. But, Later, when everybody in the complex has moved down to the parking garage and it's a full-on siege, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and just, uh, yeah, despite his flaws, the boldness in the concept, you know, the attempt at making this demonic possession possible through what you're watching. I mean, that's, uh, ma there's many lever layers of um, suggestion there. What, you know, why that was decided to be. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if you would even take a political stance or any kind of stance with a movie like this, but just saying that, you know, what you watch consumes you in such a way, I, th I think is uh, pretty cool, you know, for this kind of movie to take something away, if it's a little more big and metaphoric than just like a gory fun time um, is bold and it resonated I mean, despite that it's, despite its flaws, right? In spite of its flaws, it was it was uh, a cool move. I like the concept. Yeah, I just want to go back to talking about that scene where the demon comes through the TV. That's so iconic in a yeah. lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, just reading about how they did it was pretty inventive. Um, yeah. And that's something you see in a lot of these movies. Like you, you mentioned the ring, but you know, poltergeist, this interaction with the, the thing in your living room that wants all your money, you know, <laughs> that, that yeah. is, it's really cool to, you know, no pun intended, demonize it 
in a movie and make it kind of the main antagonist or at least the gateway for such antagonists to exist. The soundtrack too, because I think as much as it's about kind of about horror movies, maybe, or the, maybe the bigger idea is sort of mocking the idea of horror movies as something that can infect you or make you bad or, or whatever. Um, Cause this is like mid eighties. Uh, so you have like, I don't know what, what it was like in Italy, but you know, you were already sort of starting to have the satanic panic backlash against like um, heavy metal and rock. And like the first yeah. Demons movie has a, a great heavy metal uh, soundtrack um, with Accept uh, and Motley Crue on it and like a, a bunch of other shit. Uh, and this one has a great goth like soundtrack with the like, yeah. Smiths and like uh, the Colts Fields, on it. Fields of Fields Nephilim is on it. Yeah, yeah, Dead Can Dance, Peter Murphy from Bauhaus has a song, like Love and Rockets, um, Simon Boswell did the, the like score and everything, so the, the music's definitely one thing I, I like that I forgot to mention, but yeah, I also think it kind of plays into the idea of it, because you have like the bad punks in it too, um, so it's sort of right. like, but those are like the cool characters, uh, obviously, as well, and, and they're in both <laughs> movies, um, but yeah. Uh, it's you know it's kind of ironic to me that they intentionally scaled down the gore and everything to get a more acceptable rating but at the same time the subtext of this movie is somewhat to me seems like about censorship and 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 things of of the nature of you know media ruling and just violence on TV and how it can consume people and stuff but they <laughs> they depict that in a more palatable tame way than they did in the first one uh it's funny i did read criticisms maybe at the time about that shift that was noticeably happening with argento and some italian directors where there were people that felt that it was um tacky to start introducing the more popular music into their soundtracks as opposed to using traditional orchestral arrangements but yeah that was the thing argento started doing with phenomena where he started introducing metal and punk and, and things like that. And then this carried over into this movie. Obviously we're all fans of these kinds of music. So when we hear those things represented in these movies, it's, it, it's fun, but I will say, I feel like there are places where some of the songs feel out of place that they're almost kind of shoehorned in there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they work in some spots and it's cool to hear them, but then there's sometimes where you're just like, you didn't really need to have that right. cult song. Yeah. We, yeah, we paid spot. for the licensing for this. We got to throw it in somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I just want to, I, I wanted to, to, to trail on that. I always find it that when they put songs into movies like these, rather than a score, it definitely amplifies the, air quotes here, fun aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's no longer the menace is taken out of it because they have this thing that's more relatable to just like fun, good, having a good time. Yeah. It's pop. Cause it's pop music. Right. Fast as a shark um, as the end, as the, as the end song for demons is, yeah. is, is, is both great and pretty ridiculous in that, in that scene. But yeah, um, yeah. they definitely did a lot of, 
of montages uh, in the first Demons that I, rewatching it, I noticed that he scaled it back a lot in the second one. There's not as many montage music montage yeah. scenes as there are in, in Demons One. In Demons One, I think I counted like five different montages, um, but in this one, uh, there it's it, there's definitely not as many. Um, but yeah, I think for the the for the faults that it has in terms of like where they placed the songs and stuff, I I, I could see that. Um, but it is strange that they were able to get like such a great roster of like goth and sort of post punk bands for this movie. Yeah. Um, so before I so rudely interrupted you, Orion, was there something else specifically you wanted to mention? <laughs> no, it was going to be about the montages uh, um, and just sort of that oh, idea okay. of it being like a, mu- a music video sort of. I think that was also like kind of a newer when we were talking about newer techniques and stuff and that, that that directors were using in, in, in filmmaking. Like, I, I think you can kind of see um, Lumberto Baba sort of tr- trying that in both movies, um, looking for his own, what would be maybe his signature. Um, and there's some, some ways that I think he fails in it that we could talk about. Um, but uh, I also like, just like that he was, you could tell that he was trying, um, which I, I, I appreciate. And I think is a, a you know, positive <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, the good college try, it goes a lot further than one might think, even if it falls flat on its face. The fact that he thought to do it, kind of thinking outside the box of where he could have gone with a sequel. I, I appreciate that. But still paying dues. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so some specific goods I wanted to mention. There's not like a whole lot of really like super creative kills in this, but I do really appreciate the tanning bed death. i love seeing a good tanning bed death especially again another cultural touchstone there's certain things that don't seem as ubiquitous even though they're used now or whatever but you know tanning beds that was a thing in the 80s water beds you know things like this (laughs) the tanning bed being uh, a staple i like that a lot um they have the patrick nagel (laughs) <laughs> that's very very much 80s go ahead what, were we, what else were you gonna say oh that's it i sorry i was just uh, the just the it's like it's a lot of glass brick and like neon and uh, cold yeah. icy fluorescence and stuff um it, it really is like of the time but also like modern like they were trying to you could you know going back to where you could tell that they were trying to make it feel like it was fresh and new <laughs> yeah totally there, just the fact that there is entire is there's an entire horror genre from the 80s that's based around uh horrific things happening in fitness centers <laughs> and gyms fitness catastrophes <laughs> yeah like death spa yeah D- demonic fitness horrific fitness catastrophes <laughs> right totally totally uh anything else negative i think it's been pretty much touched on yeah uh i did want to talk about i i love just the overall scenes of the demons come like we're talking about the siege aspect of it but the the specific scenes of demons attacking people like the demons running through the hallway with the glowing eyes well yeah that's the final siege part that's what makes that so good it's it's just this horde you finally see the thing in its full light that there's all the survivors 
And then there's this horde of glowing eyed, frothing mouth <laughs> maniacs. Drooling. Uh, yeah. Asia Argento, Asia Argento trapped in the car with them all like uh, leering around her. Like there's nothing. That scene is so scary. Like I think that was probably the scariest scene when I first saw it that stuck with me. It's just of them all just like drooling and looking at her. And I think that's also been done by Romero and stuff. But it's always just like. You know, it, it's just, again, just seeing them up close, you're just like, there's so much right. to look at. With, with homages and stuff, it, it it definitely made me think of Night of the Living Dead. When, you know, um, Hank, um, Bobby Rhodes' character, he's, he's telling everybody, you know, search all the cars, find any weapons you can find, and maybe we can, it's like trying to think on his feet of what they can use to combat these demons and stuff. That totally reminds me of both the original um, Night of the Living Dead and that remake they did in the 90s. Um, yeah. Which, uh, sidebar, I really like that remake. Oh, I, like that yeah. com- I like that. Tony Todd remake. is Tony Todd is like the wandering fucking warrior. <laughs> it was badass. Yeah, it's it's so good. That's one that I've wanted to talk about for a while because I feel that that is a very underappreciated remake, that Tom Savini one. Yeah, it's great. For as shitty, for as, shitty as as uh, the, all of the zombies look in George Romero's movies, it's almost like um, Bava was like, they have to look amazing in this. You know, it's that's like the, you know, like Romero does a much better job with creating atmosphere and setting up like a good story and stuff. But this one is just all about just like, these are some drooling, oh, man. Tooth, fucking the, ugly fuck. motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, some Jack, yeah. some Jack John whack tooth hillbillies. That this I, movie and the first movie are juicy fucking movies. Right. That's what I was gonna say. I like how all the the demons have that wet, yeah, that, that glaze. It's just like a veiny pu- wet look to yeah, them. Putrescent <laughs> slime glaze donut. Man, yeah. I, I have a thing about shit coming out of people's mouths and face. Uh, I tried to eat my dinner while watching this both times. <laughs> De- Demons one and two, just like the timing, you know, trying to multitask. It definitely made my, my meal unpleasant. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they seep the, the acidic blood that just melts everything. Right. Yeah. Alien it's reference. A, yeah. It's in, yeah, it's yeah, interesting totally. too because this movie's called Demons, but they act the way the possession carries it's like a contagion much like, you know, we know from a lot of zombie films. So, when people refer to something like um 28 Days Later, which is not really a zombie film, it's it's like a, a epidemic film, but you know, these like raged out fast-moving zombies or whatever. Um, as opposed to Romero's, you know, slow walking, lumbering decay or whatever. Um, this movie's interesting because these guys move fast as shit. It's like the worst of all worlds, you know. That they, yeah. they can they can burn you with their blood, they can infect you with their blood, like instantly, mm-hmm. and they're mm-hmm. wicked fast. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty they, they're they're total killing machines. They could jump through TVs and Right, until it comes to potted plants. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. All right. That being said, I uh, want to move into the bad. Um, so this is basically my main thing, but this is more, I don't know. 
we can break this down a little bit more to, to make it not bad, I suppose. But I feel like Sally pre-demon demonizing demonic possession, her her character is so insufferable. She's just a giant tantrum having toddler. So I think it makes sense that she becomes the first demon because she's the most susceptible because she's such a reprehensible queen. person. Sure. <laughs> queen. Yeah. She's a queen. She's a she's total a queen. queen. <laughs> I think it was supposed to so, be like a parody. I, I, I thought it was, she was supposed to just kind of be like a parody of, uh, and it's sort of where my critique of dubbings comes in because I, I wonder if a lot of it just has to do with how like annoying her delivery is in the dubbing. Um, or yeah. if it was supposed to be so, because he's he's just like making fun of like John Hughes movies and the, and these sort of like brooding teen movies where they're just like, oh, nothing looks good. I, like I hate this. I don't even want to go out there. You know? <laughs> right, right. Just being so self conscious to a fault that their um their ne- neuroses is just permeating everything, <laughs> bumming everyone out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't feel for. Her. No, I, I, I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I mean, most of these characters, by and large, are unlikable or not, not really <laughs> relatable to me at all. That was a bad for me, like that character, and and just their kind of subplots, like when they're at the party and so and I can't remember his names invited, and well, what would you invite him for? Right, Jacob. It's like, is that important to this story? Um, yeah. Which leads into my my main bad is just like the pacing of this movie. It's it's kind of fraught with little sub, you know, I, I get that they're trying to show that there's this dichotomy of people in this whole high rise, you know, and set the scene for all these characters, but it just darts around. It pulls your my focus in all these ways and I'm going isn't some people supposed to be like getting fucking killed? You know, when yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the release to happen and it's just kind of really, really slow coming even after, um, even after the, yeah, the, she becomes the first demon. It's slow to get going. You know, you see all the gym rats and everything else. And it's, I don't know. It kind of takes me out of it. Yeah, I agree. It starts with a bang, and and it and it sort of uh, it does definitely slow down as it goes on. Um, it, it almost does have kind of like a TV feel to it. Uh, totally. In some ways, um, which is which is weird. Yeah, which is which is kind of strange because we were discussing on the Psycho Two episode the the, the first installment to these gruesome twosomes for October kind of a category system of what what we think why a sequel is made you know and i mean historically sequels are like bigger badder bolder and this movie went in the opposite direction on purpose which is kind of bizarre to me i don't know if it's necessarily a bad but thinking that they wanted a larger commercial um acceptance over the creative side of it just you know being a sequel how how uh argento and baba might have wanted it to be i'm as i'm talking about it i think it pisses me off actually that they chose (laughs) a rating 
a, be- a more acceptable rating over what it could have been, you know? Definitely. Yeah, it's I like, can see that. It's kind of a swing and a miss. It's also the, the ways where it falls short of, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of imitation and in, in some parts it, it builds off of it and in a way that is creative and that adds to it, like the television um, with the head going through it. Like um, I, I had to go back and look because I was like, do they have a head come through the TV in Videodrome? And I think it's, I don't think they do. I think it's just a hand or the lips yeah. or something. Um, but uh, they definitely got more out of that effect, especially with the projection over it and stuff um but in other ways like it, it does like uh as a sequel it does this, it's like the gremlins 2 of, of like sequels in a lot of ways right. where they just are like throwing everything at the wall um you know they even changed the ending to your point like they, they originally at, at the end of the movie um uh, the pregnant woman is supposed to give birth to a baby that's possessed but then they decided that that was too dark, and so they swapped it for they swapped it for the chest burst. Yeah, the chest burst earlier in the movie, but right to make it even darker is that that demonic baby was supposed to claw its way out of the mother's belly. You know, yeah, that which that definitely <laughs> that definitely wouldn't fly with this whole PG thirteen business. No, definitely but that not. would have been that would have been a better finale than what we got. I mean, that would have been a good yeah. lead up finale, you know. Well, Baba never really to, to to my like like he never really this was like kind of it after this. Like there wasn't a lot of great stuff that he did. Um, he moved into television actually, so in a lot of ways, like maybe playing the ball, playing ball with uh, doing something like turning down the door or you know, putting bands in that didn't necessarily fit. Um, those m- might've been ways that, uh, you know, he was able to then go on and have an illustrious career in television that nobody <laughs> knows anything about here. Right. So. <laughs> All right. And exit strategies. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other bads? Uh, oh yeah. I got, I got a couple too. Oh yeah. Go yeah okay. Me, me too. Um, aside from just unlikable characters, uh, I thought it was funny that maybe maybe I'm not seeing this for what it truly is, but just like the reckless punks in a car scene again, like the rehash <laughs> with different people and reckless in different ways, you know, and they're arriving late to the scene again, like just like the first movie. There's just a lot of things where homage is one thing, Um and you know kind of um montages and stuff but if you do the homage in a poor way it it gets on my tits and that's like an homage to your own movie you know because they did that in the first <laughs> one and they do it in return of the living dead as well um but yeah i i don't know that kind of landed flat for me i was gonna say we kind of talked about that with um with Texas Chainsaw Massacre too, and just the whole complete duplication of the scene with Grandpa, yeah, right, with Caroline Williams with Stretch, yeah. I mean, they do that in in tons of movies. They they want to re- recash in on that initial horrifying element, but you just go, this is eating up 20, 30 minutes of something where you could have been creative, uh, you know or or at least interesting um 
the other thing that drove me fucking nuts is the little gremlin guy that came out of the baby the, or the boy, the young boy. Not <laughs> not so much that it burst out of him, but just the way it looks and everything. It's like, it it's fun. And what is this? Ghoulies, you know, gremlins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it totally sucks. Yeah, that, also the squealing in that part is really annoying. There's no music for, randomly. Yeah. It's totally silent, and it's just her screaming and the gremlin or whatever, the the, the little de- demon, uh, like, squealing at, like, a, a fucking dog toy getting squeezed. Right, um, and then, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then when she, uh, like, burns it with acid or whatever, you kind of feel bad for him. A little shrieking as as he <laughs> you know, falls have... out of the shot out of the hole in the wall. Yeah, uh, yeah. And where, what the fuck is that acid? That was going to be one of my questions for sure. But uh, <laughs> totally, my uh, right, my 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 only other thing that I really hate, and basically my main thing was, um, so you could tell that that Baba was trying to do his own sort of lighting thing with this movie, and it was strobe light. And I fucking hate that. Yeah. Uh, it just, yeah. it, it just <laughs> all the strobe lighting in this movie randomly is just terrible. I, I just really, you know, you're not doing your father proud with that. Like you should just go back to some nice saturated reds or greens or something. You know, like carry on the family tradition in that way. Like, but it's super eighties right. again too, of course, to be like, no, it's it's this is the eighties. It's about it's about strobe lights now. <laughs> yeah, but you don't have yeah. to lay it on thick with every aspect of what you're doing you know i mean there are people out there that like bacon but no one wants to fucking put bacon all over every goddamn thing right you're gonna have a fucking disastrous bacon mess this is a shitty denny's meal of a movie when you do that (laughs) shit you know what i mean uh i did have one other kind of bad i put it in questionable but also could be considered bad there's this trope we've talked about this on other episodes brandon i know that you're a real stickler for this as well uh when it comes to attention to details relating to science or practicality in terms of representing the practical way to operate something in a movie but when the yuppie couple are hanging out and they're going over his physics homework and he's just uttering complete gibberish. Right. Just this string of words that is supposed to be an equation. Yeah. Gamma. You're just making this shit up. Just use a real (laughs) fucking physics equation. Well, I mean, and then the fact (laughs) that the lady is in the other room and she can (laughs) interpret what he's saying, you know, without looking at the shit written down or anything. She just, she's got this in her brain. Yeah. She's smart. <laughs> she's an educated woman. Yeah. That's I like true. That they got the yuppies. They definitely got the yuppies in there. That, that, that was a, a cool, uh, another eighties uh, touchdown thing as well as the latchkey kid. Yep. Yep. Well, and that's another thing too. I was like thinking it was bad that this kid was just giving it away uh, that he was, alone over the phone with yeah. i'm assuming a stranger <laughs> yeah i'm alone that's mom and dad's gone quote. it's cool right <laughs> that's my quote that's my favorite quote from the movie yeah, <laughs> yeah that was used in a um... i'm alone yes goodbye, <laughs> goodbye. yes goodbye 
<laughs> I, I'm getting confused. I think that was on an early engorged record, or was it a mortician record? Hello. Oh, I just I, I as soon as he said hello, I, I it was recognizable <laughs> to me. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Any other bads? Uh just aside from I mean, like unlikable characters and I think meaningless subplots, most of the dialogue is fucking stupid. Like that whole algebra <laughs> thing and just, uh, you know, whoa, I hope I'm Sally. ready for this exam. I, I hope I'm ready for this exam tomorrow. Well, when I did mine, I was three months pregnant. Yeah, but I was worked 10 hours today and like, who fucking cares, you know? Not Jacob. Go down and stop him. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, just get your fucking face eaten off by an, you know, acid drooling demon, please. Now. Right. This movie is definitely severely lacking in any sort of character development and any sort of right. dialogue. We talk about <laughs> this a lot in movies, like especially slasher movies, where, you know, you wonder what's the point. The point is to set all of these idiots up to be killed. But but a, a lot of times, you know, you and me, Adam, we talk about like if the characters are unlikable, uh, it's just too on the nose that you just can't wait for the killer to come in and kill them. Right. But this movie takes a long fucking time to make that happen. So it's the war. It's just the this is the shittiest Denny's meal version <laughs> of horror that I can imagine. Not necessarily this movie but just this whole idea that you have these characters you don't give a shit about and to add insult to injury it takes forever for them to be killed yeah, yeah. i mean it's definitely like kind of a, a conservative uh you know it's at the end of the movie is like the the, the yuppie couple like you know escape the only ones escaping with their life or like the yuppie couple uh, right the uh the, the death of hank is pretty like strangely racialized like the yeah. demon like gra grabs him by the dick and like pulls him down like, sure. I don't care for that <laughs> right and you gotta wonder is there some kind of subtext to why the yuppies make it out probably not it just seemed like the logical conclusion which is also seems lazy well, uh, Lamberto Bava's next thing that he did after this was a television ser uh, movie called Graveyard Disturbance, and it was produced by Silvio Berlusconi. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, they, they're definitely like, I mean, Berlusconi wasn't was a media guy before he got into politics, but he was also like, you know, in, involved in right wing shit always. Oh, yeah. And I kind of right. wonder about like the idea of, of it, like, is it making how it functions versus what its intention is, because is it supposed to be, and maybe this is more for the questions, but I guess we're kind of getting there. Um, but like, is it more supposed to be a critique of the idea of um, media as, as having a, a, a dangerous potential on people's minds, or is it like going to just be viewed by conservative people as like, yeah, this is, this is a movie about demons and this is what happens. Like it, this is how demons get you. And, you know, like not that that's necessarily going to be the audience for it, but just like in the broader, you know, kind of just with most horror movies, I feel like that, that it is kind of how it works. Like the intention versus the perception of it or something by the broader culture. Uh-huh. Yeah, if yeah. you know if you know physics problems and you have rock climbing gear in your apartment and you're a <laughs> fucking rich person, then you might live. Right. Yeah. 
And that's funny. Uh, I was just listening to there's this podcast that I really like a lot called Twitch of the Death Nerve. It's you know Sam Deegan and her partners podcast. Yeah, and yeah. They were they were talking about slashers on a recent one, and yeah, they were pointing out that how fundamentally a lot of the premises of horror movies are conservative in nature. This the whole trope of you have sex, you die. Mm-hmm. what you're saying about this, the, the affluent people are the ones that survive the tragedy because they have the means and the mental wherewithal, whatever. Romero is a notable exception to these sort of tropes. He was the one that I feel was trying to have what would be considered more of a left-leaning discussion kind of baked into his his movies with you know, he denies that having a black protagonist leader had any sort of meaning or subtext, but most people feel that he intentionally did those things. Well, I, I think you were probably going to echo what I was about to say is that he's maybe subconsciously reflecting what he sees in actual life, that the impoverished yeah. and the people who have suffered the most are the most likely to survive because they're, they're warriors, you know, in life. I mean, they have to be, they have to have street smarts. They got to be tough. But everybody in this that listens to Hank dies and the people that just go off on their own and do their own shit are the ones that live. Everyone that works together in this movie dies. And the people that just are like, are atomized in in their condo are the ones that are like able to get out and survive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right, that's you know that's funny. Yeah, that is this not so subtle critique of communism. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, good things to think about. Um, speaking of questionables, what do we have as questions? Well, mine right off the top is in the beginning there with the family all gathered around the TV. Why is Dad wearing a three piece suit at dinner at home? Uh, oh man. <laughs> question (laughs) who knows just got home from work (laughs) yeah i would think that he would try and get a little bit more uh comfortable for a family dinner uh okay here's one for you davy the dog that gets left outside scratching at the door but he looks through the peephole and days davy is you know eye level I was thinking, you know, okay, is this going to lead up to like a demon was holding it up or something? No, they just pass right by. Somehow the dog is fucking five foot nine or whatever you'd have to be to reach eye level of the people. But then she doesn't see the demon boy when she looks through the window and she hears him asking for help. What the fuck? How does the blood not burn immediately when it falls, when it, when it lands on people, it melts through floors right away. But then when it drips on somebody's cheek, they can wipe, they can wipe it off and be like, Hey, what the heck is that? And it doesn't even like burn them or melt them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and another thing too, I mean, this goes back to kind of what we're talking about, but is this a documentary? Is this a live feed? What is this? So you got (laughs) to unpack that, but, do we ever see who's holding the camera? I mean, we see the whole group, but you don't see, I don't think you see anybody operating the video camera that's filming the footage. They say, do you have the camera? But they're talking about a still camera that they're taking pictures inside the blast zone or whatever. So who's filming what we as the audience are watching on the TV? 
the dad says something like when it, when um, uh, Asia Argento is um, watching the television program, her dad says something like, "Why don't you turn off the TV? Why are you watching that stuff?" And which mm-hmm. kind of leads me to believe that it's not a documentary; it's just based on it's like a re- recreation or a reenactment. But that doesn't really make sense either, because then no. the, why would it be a reenaction where the demon yeah. where they're going to the forbidden zone? And then a demon right. comes to life that, there. <laughs> yeah, and so. you know, of course, you got to suspend your disbelief. But there's lots of problems with that because if it's a reenactment, <laughs> if it's anything that's on TV, there's an editing room that's seen it. So that editing room, just seeing the footage, would be now demonic. You know, it would be yeah. this demonic possession before it ever even gets to your television for the greater audience to see. So yeah, that's that's a big that's a big booger in the beans as far as the plot goes. <laughs> um, here's another one. So when Davy the dog turns into Demon Davy, you know, um, did Baba just confuse the sounds of dogs with wild cats because he's got like jaguar sounds and shit. <laughs> Going on when the dog is like, there's like a roaring dog sound with this wild cat going on. I I mean, that seems like a, I guess he's just going, this is a scary sound we could throw in, but come on. I think that's a thing that a lot of horror directors like to do is just have this amalgamation with their sound design of all kinds of, I guess what would be considered, disconcerting sounds you'll have yeah, but you'll have movies like where in the background you'll hear like baby cries and things like sure. that but maybe fine that's why. <laughs> fine but it wasn't even subtle i mean it's like yeah. here's a dog sound and then here's a wild from the jungle cat <laughs> sound like mix them together or something to make a monstrous just cacophonous demonic sound that's fine whatever to, but, um, to make a dog war. Yeah. Or a, or a <laughs> so <laughs> I know that the lights go out and I know these dudes are like really, really intent on pumping up. But is anybody really going to fucking be pumping iron in a blackout still? These dudes <laughs> are going for it when all the lights are out, you know? Just that committed to their training. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> It also, how about this? A steel bar doesn't, repeated steel bar to these glass doors doesn't break the door down. Let's try a potted plant. I mean, (laughs) steel bar, weights, dumbbells, kettlebell, and then the dude tries as a last ditch fucking effort to throw the potted plant at it. Yeah. Boy, what the fuck is (laughs) up with that? Um, Uh, Yeah, I mean, I got lots of them. You could, we don't, we can do a round table here. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, I had Orion. One about, uh, why would, at one point, when they're going to fool around, when the um, yuppie couple is fooling around, the pregnant lady says, uh, Oh, you don't want our child to be born with a birthmark, do you? So I was thinking, like, is it, what is that? Is that some like Italian wives' tale, old wives' tale, where if you have sex when you're pregnant, they'll give you a birthmark on the baby? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention that, but I figured, oh, maybe this is something that's just like common expression from the times. And I'm going to, you know, just not get it. 
but yeah, some that, loss in the yeah, translation the, might have happened yeah, there. Lost the translation. <laughs> right. Also, what uh, Sally's bleeding? That I, I was confused about that. I don't think there is an answer, but why they just have her start bleeding from her head all of a sudden when it starts off the chain reaction of the blood going through the floors. Uh, that, uh-huh. that, I was like, what, what's up with that? And, and then later on, she goes blind. Like she comes back to life after she gets impaled, but then she's blind for some reason. And then she kind of just like <laughs> dies on her uh, on her own. And you're like, why? Uh, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, how about this? Why did the gym? Why was it even necessary to move the cars around in the car in the parking garage? They draw. It's like there's a scene where. There's like a exterior wall, you know, um, doorway to the stairwell or something. And they drive a car up close to it. And then they get out and the whole team slides the car to the door to like block the door, I guess. I mean, it seems like it would have been a way more efficient to just pull the car up, you know, parallel to the wall and back it up in, in, in front of the door. Um, furthermore, later, I think it's right around the, the final car park siege. They just flip a car over. It's not even (laughs) to get it to a wall or anything. It's just in the middle of the car park and they just flip it over fucking who knows why. Uh, I don't, I don't get that. Was that just to show the, you know, strength of these pumped up gym fucking jocks or what? Yeah. Just a just a show of strength there on display. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I they never they never show why they uh, why they or they never really show them throwing the Molotov cocktails. So it's right. You know, it's like uh, it's cool that they made them. I, I love when they show that in a, in a movie. But it's like, why did you why did you have them make them and then not throw them? But, well, that's why they were so pissed. They didn't get to throw them, so they just fucking let's flip a car. You know. <laughs> Um, all the phones are down, you know, the, the, the power's out. Of course the phones are down. Now I know with landlines, you could, there's some shit where you can still make a call or something. I don't know. But I mean, my first thought wouldn't think that the phones are going to work if all of the power is out. The lady goes up there and she's super surprised that the phone doesn't work. Hello. Hello. The phones are down. Uh, yeah. But then somebody calls the kid. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, or like the kid, okay. kid's parents call. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Somebody's calling in to the kid while the power is down. Uh, oh, wait, no, that's before n- the that's power before, goes down. That's before, that's before. You're right, okay, sorry. No, I yeah. think it does happen. I think his mom, I think some uh, the mom calls uh, 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 or, uh, or something, um, but Maybe I'm mistaken. Anyways. So, okay. This is probably getting pedantic, but when, um, (laughs) when there's that whole gas pipe, you know, um, monkey wrenching to make, you know, a trap for all of the demons coming down the fire escape and they blow it up that shit. I mean, natural gas and in a building leaking, just spewing out and he lights a Zippo and throws it. That would erupt like the entire city block. Yeah. It wouldn't just be like this fireball or whatever. That's a running gas line. That gas would just go like a wick and chase it all the way up. 
you know, and it erupt the entire fucking block. So I wish they just didn't even go there. And then my last question, who (laughs) was just supposed to believe that this dude just has rock climbing gear in his apartment? I mean, he is a yuppie. I get that. But they just throw it in all of a sudden, you know? Okay, here he is running around with carabiners and paracord and shit. Where did that come from? He's just got he it. He's prepared for anything. <laughs> right, for sure. If that's one thing, I don't know if you've noticed this with, with affluent folks. So I noticed this because when I was doing residential construction and I would have to work in affluent homes, the thing with folks like that is they clearly have enough money to just throw it at just whatever dumb hobby of the month their kick they're on so yeah, yeah <laughs> i mean go I into get, their homes right. and you'll see like i i would always go into these homes of these old white guys that would have these pretty impressive like workbench stations in their garage or in their basement and they'd have us come in to, to do their like home restoration mm-hmm yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, can't like, be well, bothered. Really, buddy, you got all the tools. Right. Why can't you do it? <laughs> yeah, can't can't be bothered to lift a finger and use your fucking skill saw and all your shit, your miter saw. Eh, right. I, I got the money. Why would I do it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. I, I maybe I could accept that he's just eccentric, you know. Oh yeah, that was my rock climbing phase. I just, right. got, I just have it in my fucking closet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, guess I need to be doing some spelunking. I, I thought I read something online that said it was like that there was like a fire that they mentioned something about it being for like a fire safety or to like to, I don't know if I don't I don't remember them mentioning it in 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 the movie, but um, well, but that's I, even I, worse. I, I read something about it. But yeah, <laughs> that's even worse. I, I it raises more questions. It. it raises more <laughs> questions because what, who who is gonna know? I mean, a fire axe. You know, like a fire hose, some fire equipment, basic fire equipment. Who is going to know how to belay a fucking, you know, paracord to to jump, <laughs> rappel off a building with an ice pick? He's got a fucking ice pick. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they usually tell you to go up onto the roof when there's a fire either. I think they usually want no. you to go downstairs. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, <it's- laughs> Use your rappelling kit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Use your repelling kit to go from the 80th fucking story of a building that, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that that building actually isn't even there because he just fucking erupted it with natural gas. So (laughs) maybe that's the thing. The back half of the movie is just an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Italian directors, they did love to play with their uh, their dream logic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Well, this is totally like that, yeah. And they even go to a right. television studio at the end. So it's like they kind of tie it all back into the idea that you're, like, watching something that's been produced or whatever because it, well, you're right. they just yeah. throw in it, that. If you, if you, if you that think that – Right. If yeah. you, If you think you can throw a lighter into a fucking natural gas main – and then repel off a building. 
You're <laughs> you're living in a dream world, that's for sure. You're dreaming, buddy. That's right. Classic uh, 80s, though. We got the Zippo lighter, throwing it into the flames. That's totally like a, <laughs> another, you know, like they also have like the horizontal blinds, like the kid hiding. Oh, in yeah. The, behind the, the 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 kid hiding and the light from the blind shining in like yeah yeah the 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 venetian blinds um orion what do you got anything else no that's it uh, i mean i just why they have co-ed lockers i noticed that what what's up with that not that i'm complaining oh i didn't I notice that, funny that one. They, they show the lo- the, them yeah. all in the locker room and I, <laughs> oh wow okay right. <laughs> I think that's just more like sexy, horny '80s uh, dream logic. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. maybe there was something in Italy that we didn't know about. But if they're trying yeah. to make this seem American or something, that's definitely not. That's dream. Oh, You're dreaming, no, no, my friend. <laughs> uh, I had one. I don't know if you guys picked up on this uh, in the very beginning, where uh, they're viewing the quote-unquote documentary of the the demon hunters when the one guy they fish the demon claw out of the mud and the guy picks up and he says the demon spread contagion through their fingernails after he just picked up the claw <laughs> barehanded yeah just raw dog this apparently contagious vector item <laughs> right i mean i maybe that's why he's out there he just wants to get fucking demified yeah who doesn't want to become a demon? Be pretty cool. Pretty cool, man. So that ends that part of the podcast. We're going to move on to the awards and categories section. savvy movie so i i got uh, one i got just one um okay go ahead maybe it was just funny to me the way that it came off but when they when they get home and and uh the three-piece suit guy goes you mind if we do it with the television on and then (laughs) honey we can do it any way you like well doing it with a tv on isn't really doing it in any way it's just something whatever <laughs> but i i thought that was pretty funny um go ahead uh orion you got anything uh well i, I mentioned it earlier the kid on the phone um which I, now i'm gonna have yeah. to find if that what mortician song that, that, that that's on but uh i also like pretty, yeah. when sally's oh go ahead oh i i was gonna say i think it's on i think it's actually engorged that did it i think it's on um uh, uh uh, death metal attack two or whatever. It's a really early albums. Excellent premium fucking album. But yeah, uh, I'm gonna listen to that. Uh, 
Yeah, when Sally's watching, the, the only other one is kind of a dumb one, but it's funny. She's she, When she's in her room complaining about not having anything to wear, then she notices the TV and uh, she goes, oh, a, a demon. Hey, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about that one, too. Um, I wasn't able to get the whole quote down when I was watching the movie, and I can't find it here for some reason, but... Um, it's basically just that monologue where it starts off the blood nurtures the dormancy and it just kind of continues on. I can't find yeah. it for the fucking life of me though. But that one that again, I really like that. Mon- that monologue is the most poetic part of the movie as far as any good uh, script writing goes. Yeah. It's like they really ran out of gas <laughs> so quick. Yeah, here it says on IMDb, the voiceover says this, and it doesn't include that line. A terrifying centuries-old prediction foretold the spawning of demons on Earth. That prediction came true when spectators in a movie theater were transformed into bloodthirsty, fanged creatures and spread death and contagion. Days of terror that convinced the world demons can exist. Mm-hmm. So there you Which go. Which conflates uh, the story. That conflates the story from the movie and the plot of the movie because the, the the story in the movie that they're watching in Demons is, is that they, they, they read that at Nostradamus's tomb and then uh, they put the mask on that they find and that's what an originally does it in the movie. But then in real right. life, yeah. it's the woman putting on. The, so it's, it's kind of funny that even the narration is like deceptive from the beginning. It's just conflating the both plots of the first movie, but it works too. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the Derek Zoolander Award for the biggest idiot in the movie. I don't know. This is another <laughs> one that was like, everyone's an idiot again. But. Well, I, yeah. I, I I put down the documentary crew. I mean, I, I know we're going to single it down to one person. Take your pick. All those people are fucking idiots. Like you said it yourself, dude pulls yeah. a fucking nail out. Well, this is what spreads contagion. Like, cool. Pick it up with a fucking <laughs> stick then if you if you have to pick it up at all. Yeah. Again, why are you raw dogging it, bro? Yeah. Yeah. This is the 80s. You don't raw dog anything. You yeah. Know? Totally. Uh, did you have I anything? Said Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob's dumber than a sack of hammers. That's for sure. The Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat Award for Best Wardrobe and Makeup. There you go. Man, I am fucking up on this one. I need to have dinner. Uh, I, I said specifically the Sally Demon, but I guess the demons in general. Yeah, they look fucking rad. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I put Demon Davy, the dog, specifically. <laughs> I, I like the dog. He, he's looking good. Yeah. He's looking good. That's a good-looking demon dog, I tell you what. Um... The Cosmo Kramer Award for the most likely to appear in a Seinfeld episode. I put Hank. So did I. Yep. <laughs> Definitely I put the nerd. Uh, the nerd. <laughs> yeah. The nerd that's this. Uh, sorry. Remind me again. What? Why was the nerd just hanging out outside of the apartment, uh, the high rise the whole time? Because he's a nerd. He's not allowed in. He made the mistake of answering the phone at the party and, and telling Jacob that he could come. Yeah, he got kicked out. Or something. And oh. then they tell him, go downstairs and make sure that he doesn't come in. Right. Yeah, okay. Thank you for reminding me. saves his life. Uh, yeah. 
Well, there you go. So it wasn't just all the yuppies that it was. It was a smart guy too. The 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 nerd. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, isn't a isn't that to suggest that he might have enough money to go to university? He's a yuppie That's too. That's true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, take well. it back. I think you're right about <laughs> Hank, though. I'd go with Hank, though, about being. Uh, I could definitely see him being like friends with Kramer or something. <laughs> Or just there's a lot of parts of Seinfeld where they're at the gym working out and the plot is centered around (laughs) them interacting with their co-gym members. Yeah, he could be a lot of guys. He could be just like that weird guy on the subway that they interact with, you know, that tangents off into some kind of antagonistic subplot. Yeah, true. Uh, the Danny Trejo award for the character most likely to have a spinoff. Uh, I kind of was drawing a blank on this one. What do you guys got? I also said Hank. Also said I Hank. I mean, especially for the time, <laughs> he could be fitness guy in all kinds, in another movie. He could have been a coach in a movie, you know, uh, uplifting, inspirational coach, lead the crew. Uh, could have done his own fitness program in the 80s. Who knows? Yeah. Did you have anything, Orion? Yeah, just do it Ilsa style and bring him back for the, for the next movie. Just make him somebody else. <laughs> That's true. Just you don't in any way explain how he no. came back to life, nope. but he comes back to life. It's not needed and it's not wanted. Just bring him back. The actress that played the call girl, she was in Demons 3, the ogre, um, which I guess was kind of like Demons 4 because the church was supposed to be Demons 3. So, uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's funny that you bring up the whole convoluted story with those demon sequels. I remember hearing something else or reading something else about that. How it's so mixed up. <laughs> okay. Body count. Does any, does anybody have a body count? No idea. I mean, it's, no it's idea. because of the way the lighting is and the camera angles and stuff, it's hard to really get an accurate count when they're in the garage and everything because that siege is going on and it's kind of just like jumping around i I actually watched a video on um uh, of a body count on uh on youtube and it it said 50 but it counted people it counted the demons dying uh which is i don't know if that actually counts because you can't count them quite twice right if they die when they turn into a demon then that's just it they're dead so i I was saying somewhere around maybe 25 or 30 yeah so i'm just looking at this one uh carnage count video and it says 24 so that's probably minus the demons 24 oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah something like that it's definitely hard to count everyone dies except for two people so you right that's the thing i was like if there was 24 deaths, it is to assume that those deaths now turn into demons and then they get killed again. So that would be close. You know, that'd be 50, basically. It's all unclear. It's all unclear. <laughs> okay. Wiki Wormhole, what's some uh, notable trivia? We kind of peppered it throughout the discussion, but anything that you uh, could think of that we didn't bring up? Uh <laughs> I just found this funny, along with other things in this movie. The little boy demon was played by an adult dwarf. I don't know why they had to point that out. Isn't that obvious? <laughs> I mean, right, which is another thing that Italian directors do. So in Phenomena, the the mutant deformed child that is the son of um, uh, Daria Nicolodi, 
in that that was also played by uh, a little person. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> let's see the two points uh, of some of the effects. It was kind of cool. The resurrection of the first demon was done by filming a melting wax head and then playing the footage in reverse. Always yeah. mm-hmm. appreciate that reverse footage kind of shit. Um, the first demon popping out of the television was done by having an actor wearing a mask press his face against a latex screen. Pretty inventive. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read that. Yeah, yeah, I, I said a lot of the ones that I'd read, but um, I guess one that I that was it's kind of interesting and goes back to that sort of like occult casting. Uh, the, the actress that played Sally um, Coralina Cataldi to Sony. Um, she was from like a family of uh, opera singers, um, and and she's actually in the um, Argento movie Opera. Um, yeah, and I do she's American that. born too, so she she's actually is American. Interestingly, even though I would have assumed her to have been Italian, but it definitely had yeah. that '80s look too, with real real like um, Jennifer Connelly, Demi Moore, Winona Ryder, kind of like dark hair, dark eyebrows, kind of. Totally. I was thinking that too. Phoebe, Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the above. Um, this was interesting to me, uh, to me that uh, the demons attack multiple adults throughout the film and yet spare the little girl played by Aja Argento. This shows that maybe some of the demons may have leftover pieces of their humanity. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Is this a break the fourth wall thing and you show some kind of... Um you know, mercy on the, uh, the daughter of, <laughs> right. Director. There's that too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we did bring that up as far as, um, introducing her into the movie and her being related to people involved with the movie and all of that. Sure. Um, okay. Um, there was one thing that we brought up in the first episode, Brandon, and we failed to do it in the second episode that I feel like we do need to talk the, about. Yeah. We, you're talking about the, the trifecta, the nature. Yes. The nature of, of, of sequels. Yeah. The trifecta. Go ahead and reiterate that again. So what we were talking about is, um, you know, why is a sequel? Why, why did it seem appropriate to make a sequel? Kind of broke it down into three categories. The, the first is obvious. It could be a cash grab. You know, obviously the first one was a hit or at least it was interesting to people that a, a director w- or a you know studio would come along and think that they can um, dig into people's coffers some more and put some butts in some seats with the sequel. So there's the cash grab category. Second yeah. category would be uh, like an original type of spin you know, that it was actually taken for the the purposes of expanding the story in a, a unique way. Not not necessarily for a cash grab, more so that, um, you know, if it's not the same director that made the first, um, it, it's somebody who comes along and thinks that they can make the story more flourishing and, and interesting by a sequel. Um, and then the third category would be to complete a story like Halloween one and two. That's really one story span across two movies, right? Yeah. 
So of of those categories, what do you find this movie? And I find it solely in the camp of cash grab. I mean, from everything, from it being uh, like it's good in concept, it's original, but it's rolled out in a way right down to the rating, you know, and, and the content being dumbed down to get a more appropriate, acceptable, marketable rating. That seems like it's very much a capitalistic venture rather than trying to expand your story to, to flesh it out more. Which is disappointing yeah. to me to give it that category because this is the same people who made the first one. It's not like someone else, some new studios coming in and, and running with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that you point that out because I was going to say that it fell kind of into the third category. Uh-huh. But, yeah, maybe more so in the first now that you mention it. Right. What do you think, Ryan? Pretty much a cash yeah. grab. Uh, but I, I think most sequels are. It's hard to find a lot that aren't. But I still think it's fun any, anyways. Uh, and it you know, makes sure. a good midnight movie uh, just in terms of if, of that 80s horror sort of feel. Like you want something that's kind of like a zombie movie, kind of like a you know slasher sort of gory, just sort of hits all the marks. But definitely cash grab. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and, and to say that, it, you know, none of these movies to, to hit category three, where it's like the completion of a story. Well, that historically has not worked out well for horror movies. Typically, if there's a sequel, there's a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, take your pick Friday the 13th Halloween, which you've talked about that. It was supposed to be a closing of Myers on two, but that didn't work out. Um, yeah. TCM. Uh, you know, every one of those great 80s films, there's like four or five installments. So this movie, you know, to be in category three and and complete the story, it, it doesn't work. The end is just left kind of open ended. There's no conclusion anyway. So it just leaves it open for the, the amalgamations <laughs> that are worse and worse inbred amalgamations to come. That's true. Yeah, I think you make a good point with that. Uh, any other thoughts before we rate this? Mm, plants, plant, potted plants definitely do not make good like door breaching items <laughs> or weapons for that matter. I mean, fucking throwing throwing a potted plant at a dude who you know running a car into him and he's not dead. I think you should reassess your plan. That's my thought. Yeah. So in case any of you were thinking about doing that, don't throw a potted plant at somebody if you're trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Get away and from and that. you know, let, let's let's just go ahead and put this out there. It is not safe to be pumping that much iron in the dark, people. You know, you might have to get your reps in, but the lights go out. Just just chill. Take a break. <laughs> Keep a grappling hook on hand. <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> keep some rock climbing gear around for sure you never know when you have to repel you, off a fucking building you never know be prepared that's like you know everybody should have an earthquake your bug yeah home. your bug out your bug out gear right <laughs> uh 
So what is our iconography for this? We're going to rate it. What is our iconography? Go ahead, Orion. What do you think? Four dusty old demon claws. Ah, <laughs> son of a bitch. I was going to say the fucking haggard reggie claw as well. Well, if we've got two out of three on board, we'll just, that's the consensus. So out of five dusty ass contagious demon claws that you shouldn't be touching with your fucking mitts. Shouldn't be fouling around with. Don't be mucking around with it. Don't, don't, don't be touching that. Don't be putting that on. Don't, don't put your lips on that. Don't get any of that on me. You can do what you want (laughs) with it. Just don't get any of your fucking desiccated demon claw on me okay <laughs> not in my town yeah no sir that's right not hey try hey try that in a small town buddy sure growing up in a small town <laughs> don't put that don't put masks on don't touch demon claws yeah sure yeah come on uh, these, these should, be, should be given yeah so out of five of these fucking little shitbag demon claws <laughs> who, who's got it Orion? Oh, what do you give it well i said four but i guess maybe more like three but um uh, but i do still like it it's maybe 3.5 i'll say because uh it, it has like a nostalgic value for me as a movie i saw when i was a, a teenager and uh I, I just think it's fun still as bad as it is it is kind of like a gremlins 2 style like sequel or um you know robocop 2 or something like it's it's not great by any means, but there's fun stuff about it and interesting parts of it. Um, so yeah, three and a half. Yeah. Demons, the new batch. What do you got? I was going to say three. I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in alignment with you, Orion on this. It's a fun movie. I definitely go back to it. Have a good time. It's not as good as the first one by any stretch, but it's a good time. Man, uh, you know, going to this discussion, I've been going up and down with how this was going to go for me because there was, you know, I initially came into it just going, man, this movie ruined my dinner. Uh, (laughs) I was kind of a slog. But then talking about it and conceptually, I think it works better than how it actually got rolled out. But then talking about the questionable and the bad pissed me off again. So I'm back to like, I'm going to be generous here. I'm going to give it one and a half fucking broken little shit claws. Because uh, out of everything that's going on in this fucking movie, there's just like the unforgivable part to me is just the, the, the slow to kill all of these characters whom I don't adore even one of, you know, it takes a real long yeah. time getting there. I, I love it. I love a good outlying dissenting opinion. I so was gonna, go I was gonna say one, one whole ass claw, but considering this discussion, I, I bumped it up. It's hard to follow up with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. So, you know, it's no Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 by any means. Oh, certainly not. Even with that movie having its own host of flaws. But, you know, I mean, getting ready for this discussion, I, I expanded my world of Italian horror some more. I watched Demons to prepare for Demons 2. And, um, 
I appreciate it. I'm I'm glad we did it. That's good. That's good. We're getting we're getting something bigger out of all of this. Even even when you're having trouble enjoying yourself and enjoying the movie, enjoying you're and something. enjoying my dinner. You know, <laughs> you're watching a for a foreign film. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. You're 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 acculturating yourself in a way. <laughs> I mean, it was dubbed. <laughs> I I don't even have to read it while I'm eating my goddamn hamburg on my fucking couch. <laughs> Um, I think we all were kind of in the co- same mindset consensus that this this is a midnight movie. This is no, oh, without maybe, a doubt. Maybe maybe deviates a little bit past the midnight clock. Yeah, uh, the midnight on the clock. But yeah, like you were saying, you, you know, because it, it was. Too, you could watch it with you could watch it with your little demon brood baby, your <laughs> little your little your little goblin, your little goblins. That fucking little diet gremlins gremlin the dollar general gremlin this has been another deep dive into midnight movie madness big thanks to charlotte blythe for our intro music our outro music is provided by orion go ahead this is blitz telecommunication off of second empire justice fantastic record for those of you that are not familiar with it for those of you that are familiar with early blitz and are not familiar with that album just be prepared that in a lot of ways it's a it's a drastic change but i love all that early stuff but that record in particular is uh mm, chef's kiss in my opinion so good choice my friend um if you want to drop us an email go ahead and do it at midnightflixpod at gmail.com we have instagram we have a tiktok go ahead and follow us rate us all that good stuff that people tell you to do and signing off. Oh, we forgot to even mention I'm an idiot that we're going to be talking about on our next episode. How did I completely forget? Your punishment will be legendary even in hell. (laughs) Yeah, because we're doing a double feature. So we're going to be talking about Hellraiser 2 Hellbound. This is kind of a collective... Uh, movie that we all decided that we wanted to discuss. Now, I so. got a question. Is it okay. Hellraiser 2 Hellbound, or is the main title Hellbound Hellraiser 2? What is your opinion on this, Orion? Mm. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's Hellraiser 2 Hellbound, but I like Hellbound Hellraiser 2. It, it depends on which format I see it. All the digital format, it appears as Hellbound. And then in the foot, in the footer, Hellraiser Two. But I seem to recall that my VHS is Hellraiser Two, Hellbound. I'm looking at my VHS tape. Where is it? Oh, it's. Oh, there it is. My VHS tape says Hellbound, then Hellraiser Two. Yeah. Hmm. There you go. So, I, I think that, well, I think I that's how we address it. Okay, so for the next episode, we're going to be talking about Hellbound, Hellraiser Part 2. So nice, they did it twice. Three times, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. (laughs) Alright, see you then.